Welcome to episode two of The Catholic Take. We are looking at chapter two of Schwartz and Sweezy's book, Internal Family Systems, second edition. And chapter two is all about individuals as systems. This is where Richard and Martha go much deeper into how to understand the human person through the lens of systems. And it goes back to nested systems. And so to to put this into context in our Catholic take, I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 26, because this brings in all kinds of systems thinking. I alluded to this in the first episode about how we are in this one body, and this is going to bring it out even more as Schwartz and Sweezy get into more systems thinking in chapter 2. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 26, St. Paul speaking. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the organs in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single organ, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body which we think less honorable, we invest with the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so adjusted the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior part, that there may be no discord in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, so I'm going to come back to this passage in order to describe how I understand through a Catholic lens these IFS principles presented in chapter two in terms of systems thinking when we go intrapsychically, when we go inside our psychological structures to be able to understand how IFS looks at the human person and how we can relate that to our understanding of the human person through divine revelation in the Catholic Church. So Richard Schwartz and Martha Sweezy say that there are four key principles of human systems, balance, harmony, leadership, and development. Balance, harmony, leadership, and development. 
So let's look at those through a Catholic lens. And in the context of the passage that we just read, it's clear that there is a multiplicity in the body that St. Paul talks about, and that there is also a unity, a unity. The body is one, but it's many parts. It's also Christ. The body is Christ. And what Father George Montagu says about this in his commentary on 1 Corinthians, after saying, as a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, Paul could have said, quote, so also the body of Christ, end quote, meaning the church. But instead, Paul says, so also Christ, indicating that God's plan since the resurrection of Jesus is that he be many, the whole Christ, including his members. All right, so we're not just in some kind of club or community or organization in the church. We are in one body, the body of Christ. So again, from Father Montague, that unity of being in that unity of being Christ's body far transcends a tribal or ethnic or class unity. It goes way beyond being Jews or Gentiles, being free or slaves. It entirely overcomes all those previous divisions. That's how tight the unity is among this multiplicity. All right, so when we look at these four key principles that Schwartz and Sweezy lay out for human systems, balance, harmony, leadership, and development, we have this imagery of the, ba- of the interdependence of the body of the church, that we need each other. We need each other absolutely. And that's also true for what's going on inside of us, right? St. Thomas Aquinas talks about how the passions, for example, are absolutely necessary. The emotions, the thinking, all of that is necessary for us to be human, our experience. And so we want to be willing to embrace who we are in our totality, not diminishing, rejecting, exiling parts. Harmony. Right. Let's look at verse 25, where St. Paul says that there may be no discord in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Right. There's harmony right there. Leadership. That's the third key principle of human systems, according to Schwartz and Sweezy. Leadership comes from Christ, right? Christ, the head of the mystical body. And then fourth, development. That is reaching our potential. And in the church, obviously, that means union with God. That means entering into, at some point, beatific vision, unity with God. All right, that's not just an individual effort. That's something that we also share in collectively in the church militant as we are on our way towards our heavenly reward, hopefully. It is in chapter two, this individuals as systems chapter, that Schwartz and Sweezy really get into describing what parts are. They say that parts are discrete, autonomous mental systems, each with their own idiosyncratic range of emotion, style of expression, abilities, desires, and views of the world. That quote is from pages 30 to 31. What they're saying is that a part is not just how we feel in the moment. It's not just an emotional state. It's not just a characteristic thought pattern. It's not just a transient experience, but rather it is a 
identifiable subpersonality or subself or internal character or internal object. It's some kind of, sometimes they're called ego states, but that doesn't convey, that word doesn't really convey the permanence that Schwartz and Sweezy attribute to parts, that these endure over time. They may be more or less active. They may be visible. They may be not visible. They may be visible. They may be invisible. They may be, you know, present and active. They may be silent. They may be hidden. They may be unconscious, but they exist over time. One of the ways that I think about parts that's particularly amenable to a Catholic understanding of the human person is to think about them as modes of operating. There are modes that we get into in certain situations. When a part takes over, when a part blends with the self and takes over, you're looking at a mode of operating with characteristic feelings, attitudes, impulses, desires, body sensations, beliefs, assumptions about the world, memories that it associates with, and so forth, right? So you can think about these as modes of operating that might be more conformable to a Catholic understanding of the human person. So Schwartz describes three roles that parts find themselves in. Exiles. Exiles are the parts that carry the burdens of having been exploited, rejected, rejected or abandoned by significant others. These exiles are often kept away from being able to be heard and seen, to be known and loved within the person's system. And these exiles are looking for rescue and redemption. Now, in this model, it's going to turn out to be the self that is the redeemer, right? Obviously, that's at odds with our understanding of Christ as our redeemer. But he's also meaning it in a different sense, right? Redemption from their burdens. Redemption meaning being brought back and integrated into the system. Manager parts handle the day-to-day operations, the cares of the world, if you will, managing, navigating, handling the day-to-day demands of daily life. And they, they are often stressed, right? They do not have the capacity or the ability to lead effectively, according to Schwartz, but they feel they have no choice. Now, one example of this in scripture that I thought of was from Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, where we have the story of Martha and Mary. I'll just read that passage to you. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a village and a woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. Right, so you can see Martha, right, sort of enacting the role of a burdened, stressed manager part in that little system of her and Mary and Jesus. 
trying to do all this, trying, working off of her own assumptions, not connected in with the greater whole, not well integrated, assuming Jesus's response, right? Because, because she says, right, she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She doesn't wait for his answer. She doesn't listen to him. She assumes that she knows, which is characteristic of manager parts when they are not integrated into the self. Okay, so there's also firefighter parts. And when exiles break free with the intensity of their pain, with the, with the intensity of their need, with, their, with the intensity of their experience, firefighters get activated and the person goes into a firefighting mode where a lot of sins of commission can be committed. In this list of them that are common firefighter activities that Schwartz and Sweezy list on page 35, we have self-mutilation, binge eating, drug or alcohol abuse, dissociation, sexual risk-taking. All right, so the dissociation probably wouldn't be considered sinful, but the rest of those have moral qualities to them, right? So there's this connection, I would say, between being in a firefighter mode and the risk of increased acting out that could, that could be in terms of matter that would be sinful. All right, so we see that with firefighters. Question is, within IFS, can we get to all parts and can we love all parts? Will all of me be loved? If you look at it in terms of the broader systems that Jesus was in when he walked the face of the earth 2,000 years ago, he reached out to the parts of those systems that were rejected, that were condemned, that were criticized, right? Tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, sinners of all kinds. And so in that system, what he's modeling for us in that external system is caring for all the people in the world, caring for all the members of the body, right? We go back to St. Paul, where he talks about the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body which we think less honorable, we invest with greater honor. This is where the poor, the needy, the desperate parts of us are precious to us. And so one of the ways that Christian IFS therapists have thought about this and have written about this is to talk about how IFS can be used to take the gospel internally because we are to have this love for her, for ourselves in an ordered way. Our Lord tells us in the second great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, which means that there has to be some kind of relationship within ourselves. It doesn't make sense for us to love ourselves if we are a monolithic, uniform entity, right? If we're just some kind of solid monolith, there is no capacity for relationship there. And consequently, the idea of loving ourselves wouldn't make any sense. This is the difference between the Christian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, and the love of the Father and the Son actually is another person, the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say much more of that than that right now, so as to not get into too deep of theological waters. But contrast that with the, with the Muslim God, right? Where there is no sort of internal relationality because that's a uniform God, right? Just one. 
no relationality there, at least in the way that I understand it. And so we're made in the image and likeness of God. We are to have this inner relationship. I do believe that these exiles are our inner lepers, our inner prostitutes, condemned by parts that are like Pharisees, condemned by parts that think that they are not honorable, that mistake the parts for the burdens that they carry. And part of our work is what Dr. Peter Martin, a Catholic psychologist and IFS-trained clinician, he calls it internal evangelization. We need to be able to reach all of our parts within us with love. And IFS gives us a framework to be able to think about that, to be able to understand that in a much richer and deeper way. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about IFS and its potential for shoring up the natural foundation for the spiritual life. Because if we reject parts of ourselves that carry certain burdens, we're not going to be able to accept those parts and other people. This is another insight from IFS. You know, one of the things that IFS therapists are taught is that you really need to have a real connection with your own system because anything you reject in yourself, you're also going to reject in other people, including your clients. And so to be able to accept ourselves as we are in humility, in our utter dependence on God, in our dependence on other people, we cannot be these rugged individualists, this counter-dependency, this idea that we can just be Marlboro men and superheroes that don't need anybody. That has to be set aside. And in fact, to become like little children means, I think, to allow childlike parts to have a place at our table to allow us to have the joy and the wonder and the awe that we need in order to be able to more completely relate with God our Father and with Jesus our brother and with Holy Spirit who is love himself and our spiritual mother, our lady, Mary. We're going to get into the self a lot more in the next chapter. Chapter 3 is all about the self and so We'll invoke our patroness and our patron, and I will see you on the other side. Our Lady, our Mother, untire of knots, pray for us. St. John the Baptist, pray for us.